been doing a series now on uh, financial freedom. We really want to spend some time on this. Get to know what the Word of God says concerning uh, money, wealth, success, prosperity, um, and riches. We've been talking about this. Uh, we began, you know, when, I, when we began, we talked about financial freedom. We said to be financially free means to be in a place where money does not control us. Amen. Where we can live by faith in God and not be controlled by whether or not we have money or how much we have. And in the series, we aim to address several things. We want to deal with wrong mindsets, wrong ideas, misconceptions that many of God's people have concerning wealth, success, uh, prosperity, and so on. We want to deal with that. And then we want to move into discovering God's principles. We'll begin that next Sunday as we discover God's principles for success and prosperity and financial freedom. And then we talk about some practical guidelines. And through this whole time, we want to believe God for a breakthrough. Amen. Believe God to do something in your life, in the area of finances, in the area of your success, in your area of your prosperity. Believe God to do that. Because every time His word goes up, God confirms His word. And uh, people have been sharing testimonies already about what God is doing in their lives. I want to encourage you uh, to believe God, to go, go to the next level financially in our lives. I want to review what we did in the first two parts of this uh, message series. In uh, part one, we talked about God and wealth. And we made four important statements. We said that God is not averse or God is not allergic to prosperity, success, wealth and riches. God doesn't get scared when you start talking about money. He doesn't say, you know, I'm too spiritual for that. Go talk to Lucifer. No, <laughs> no God is not averse to this, to this. Second, God does bless his people with success, prosperity and wealth. Number three, God has taught us in his word. How to be successful. He's given us instructions here. He's saying, this is how you can be prosperous. This is how you can be successful in life. And this is what I want you to do with the wealth and success that I bring to you. And number four, God hates poverty. Amen. God loves the poor, but he hates poverty. God loves the sinner, but he hates sin. God loves the sick person, but he hates sickness. Sin, sickness, and poverty were not part of God's original design for the earth. Amen. Then in part two of this message, we dealt with misconceptions, believers' misconceptions about wealth. And we listed 10 wrong ideas that people have, believers have, concerning wealth and prosperity. And I just want to run through them. Number one, wrong notion is success motivation and profit motive are ungodly. Number two, wrong idea. It is wrong to save wealth for the future. Number three, to be a true believer, I must give up all earthly things. Number four, just enough is enough. To pray for more is not pleasing to God. Number five, it's wrong to invest money for gain. Number six, a poverty image pleases God and will win God's favor. Number seven, it's wrong to wear jewelry, dress well, enjoy life. Number eight, I live by faith so I don't need to work. Number nine, God will bless me anyway. So I do not need to acquire knowledge and wisdom. Number 10, God is obligated to take care of me because I have forsaken all for his sake. All of these are wrong ideas that believers have. And we looked at both sides of scripture. We looked at the whole of scripture to get a clear perspective on it. Now, if you've missed any of these messages, part one or part two, you can get them off our website, the MP3 file. You can get the message outline or you can order them on CD. I encourage you to listen to the word of God. Please don't miss it. Go back, uh, listen to it over and over again so that uh, you can receive the full impact of what we're doing. 
This morning, I want to continue on the same theme of dislodging wrong ideas, wrong notions, and uh, misconceptions that believers have. And I want to title my sermon. I couldn't find a shorter title, so I put it down like this. I want to encourage all of us to orient your mind to God-empowered success. Orient your mind to God-empowered success. That means all of us must start thinking success-oriented. Amen. See, how you think matters. Now, the Bible teaches us a lot on how we think and the importance of having the right kind of thinking going on in our minds. When we talk about thinking, we are talking about words, sentences, phrases that capture your mind's attention. We're also talking about visualization, pictures, images that fill your mind because pictures are worth a thousand words and we also think in terms of pictures. We're also talking about reasonings, analysis that goes on in our mind, the logic in our mind. We're also talking about emotions and feelings in our mind. So when we say orient your mind, we're talking about all of these things, the phrases, the thoughts in your mind, the images in your mind, the reasoning in your mind and the emotions, the feelings in your mind, all of this has to be oriented or directed towards God-empowered success. Meaning, you have to be convinced in your mind that you are going to be a success because God is on your side. God-empowered, meaning this is not achieved by human energy, human effort, by our, our, our doing it the way the world does it. You know, you, get the right, you pull the right strings, have the right contacts, influence the right people, pay the right amount of bribes and you'll be successful. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people who are empowered by God to be successful on the earth. But we need to orient our mind towards this because many of us are defeated because we don't think success. We think failure. We think that's very spiritual. We think poverty and we think that pleases God. You know, we Christians, we blame God for so many things. And just because God is quiet about it, we think we are right. You know, if you blame your neighbor for something wrong, something that he he or she didn't do, your neighbor most likely will retaliate. But God doesn't. You know, we blame God for a whole lot of things and he does not rain down fire and brimstone. He does not thunder from heaven saying, Thou, my beloved child, are greatly mistaken. He doesn't do those kinds of things. And just because God does not do those things, we think it's okay. It's not okay. For example, somebody fails miserably and they say, it must be the sovereign will of God. And they just blame it on the will of God. No, maybe you didn't study hard enough. Maybe you didn't work enough. And you just blame it on the sovereign will of God. Listen, God's will is in his word, and his word says he wants you to be like a tree planted by rivers of water, that you bring forth your fruit in its season, your leaf does not wither, and whatever you do prospers. That is will. Anything short of it is not his will. Amen. Now you can blame God for a lot of things, and God will be quiet. He won't rain fire and brimstone, but that does not mean you're right. What's right is the word of God. Amen? So we must face up to the word, not just blame it on the sovereign will of God and, you know, 
make all these statements so false about God and think it's okay because God doesn't react negatively. Amen? See, how you think matters. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, you know, we know it. The Bible tells us, you know, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. It continues in verse 2. It says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What you're transformed into depends on what you're renewing your mind with. You can be transformed into something absolutely negative if you're re- putting all negative things in your mind and you think you're being transformed into what God, what God wants. Not so. What are you renewing your mind with? Will determine what you're being transformed into. Amen? Alright. Need to change the crowd. No, no. <laughs> Think about the 12 spies who went to spy out the promised land. God said, you know, I'm giving you this land. There are, there are giants there. There are great and walled cities. But I will help you conquer enemies bigger than you are. This land is yours. Just go and check it out. And come back and make a plan how you're going to take it. 12 spies went in. 10 came back with a wrong mindset. They came back saying, wow, there are giants in the land. We are like grasshoppers. Their thinking defeated them. Two of them came back and said, you know, there are giants, but they are bread for us. Got a lot of bread to eat. Can't miss them. Their thinking defeated the ten spies. You know, we always quote Ephesians 3.20, which says, you know, that God is able to do exceedingly above all that we can ask or think, ask or imagine. But for many of us, our thinking is so small. So we must challenge ourselves to think big. Everybody say, think big. Why? Because we have a God who's able to do beyond what we can ask or think or imagine. Amen. You can never think bigger than God. So think big. The reason, one of the main reasons God has given us His Word is so that we can exchange our way of thinking to his. Isaiah 55, 6 through 11, God says, Let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Why? Because my word, he says, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, so shall my word be. So to help us release our own ways and our own thoughts and acquire his ways and his thoughts, God has given us his word. Amen. And I can never imagine God thinking poverty. I can never imagine God thinking failure. Oh my, I failed. Oh, there's not enough bread in heaven. I wonder how I'm going to feed all the angels tomorrow. Just just, just a joke, okay? I don't have angels to eat. (laughs) But the point is this. If you and I as Savior thinking like God, and we're adapting to God's ways, I can tell you God doesn't think failure. God doesn't think poverty. God doesn't think defeat. Amen. And he's given us his word so that we can forsake our ways and our thoughts and take on his ways and his thoughts. In Hosea 4, 6 and also in Isaiah 5, 13, God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are gone into captivity because they have no understanding. A lack of accurate knowledge and a lack of correct understanding keeps God's people in captivity, keeps them prisoners. What does accurate knowledge and understanding do? One of the things it does is it changes our thinking. Amen? 
So see, I'm showing, I, I just want us to understand how important is our thinking. It's important to begin to think success. So when it comes to success and prosperity, wealth and riches, most believers are defeated often by their own thinking. We think failure. We think poverty. We think insufficiency. We think incapability. And our own thinking defeats us. So this morning, I want to challenge all of us as God's people who are learning to take on His ways and His thoughts to orient our thinking, to orient our mind to God-empowered success. That means the, the phrases, the thoughts, the sentences that you, that, allow, that you allow to occupy your mind, the pictures, the images that you allow to settle in your mind, the reasoning that you allow to go on in your mind, the feelings that you allow to capture your mind must be oriented towards you being a success because of God's help. Amen. Now here's what Nehemiah said in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20. This is what I mean by God-empowered success. You know, there are people who came to Nehemiah and said, Nehemiah, you cannot rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah's response was this. He said, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. God-empowered success. He's saying, look, there's a God in heaven who's going to prosper me. Therefore, I'm going to go about my assignment. Amen. He was so oriented towards the fact that God will prosper him. He didn't respond to these people and say, you know guys, please excuse me. I'm just giving this a try. It might succeed. It might fail. I don't know what's up in God's mind, but I'm going to try this out. He didn't say that. He said, with all assurance, the God of heaven will prosper us so we, his servants, will arise and build. Amen. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You might be a student, you might be uh, in your first job, you might be early in your professional career, you might be running your own business, you might be you know, working for the government in education, uh, whatever you're doing, can you have that same conviction as Nehemiah had and said, the God of heaven, he will prosper me in what I'm doing because this is God's assignment for me. If it's not God's assignment for you, then you have no business being there in the first place. Amen. Can you say the God of heaven will prosper me? I am a success waiting to happen. Can you say that? Let's say it together. I am a success waiting to happen. Because the God of heaven will prosper you. Therefore you will arise and build. You will go do what, whatever God's put before you. You have that orientation towards God empowered success. God is empowering me to be a success on this earth. And so I'll arise and build. I'll do what God has set before me. So we need to get rid of poverty mentality. Get rid of talking poor. Think success. Talk success. So why can I do that? Because the God of heaven will prosper you. And you are being transformed into what you're thinking. Amen. So if you're always thinking failure, you're always thinking defeat, well, that's what you'll remain in. But if you will begin to orient your mind saying, God will prosper me. Your pictures, the images in your mind about yourself, about your future, are empowered by the fact that God will prosper you. And you paint those pictures in your mind. Your reasoning in your mind is, God will prosper me. 
The feelings in your mind is, God will prosper me. You begin to rejoice and celebrate success even before it happens. Amen. Now why can you, why can you do this? Simply because God has given you his word. Amen. What does his word say? His word says that those who, you know, read, who follow his ways, who delight in his word. He said they will be like trees planted by rivers of water. Their leaf will not wither. Whatever they do will prosper. Because in his word, he said, Deuteronomy 8, 18, I am the Lord your God who gives you the power to get wealth. Because in his word, he said, I am the, Isaiah 48, 17, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. He's given us more and enough word for us to orient our mind towards God-empowered success. Amen. Now, while you and I are orienting our mind to God-empowered success, there, are, there is a right motivation and there's a wrong motivation. The right motivation is what we must maintain. There's a wrong motivation is what we must guard our heart against. And I want to just address both of them. The right motivation for God-empowered success. You know, why should we say God will empower me to succeed? Why should we motivate, be motivated towards success or prosperity or wealth or riches in life? Why? What, should, what will be the right motivation? I want to give you four things. Number one, so that God may be glorified. Amen. We're not doing this to glorify ourselves. You know, look what nice clothes I wear, etc., etc. No, no, no. We're doing this so that to glorify God. Psalm 35 verse 27 says this. The, the psalmist says, you know, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of a servant. God is pleased in the prosperity of a servant. God doesn't get angry with you if you prosper. Amen. The Bible says he's pleased with the prosperity of a servant. And so the psalmist is saying, let God be magnified through my prosperity. So what should be our motivation? God Let me be successful. Let me prosper on the earth so that you can be magnified. Amen? That's the right motivation to have as you orient your mind to God-empowered success. Number two, what's the right motivation? That there may be enough for the work of God's kingdom. That there may be enough for the work of God's kingdom. Do you know that Throughout scripture, that whenever God wanted to do something on earth, he made man pay for it. In Exodus, the 25th chapter, as as God was telling Moses to build him a tabernacle, God didn't say, Moses, you know, I want you to build me a tabernacle in the wilderness. Tomorrow, angel Gabriel is coming with 20 tons of gold. Uh, The next day, Michael is coming with 40 tons of sheep hair. And uh, then I'm sending the other angel with uh, uh, scarlet ribbons. And I'm sending the other person. No, no, no. God said, Moses, you build me a tabernacle. But tell my people to bring me the offering. Amen. He didn't send gold and all the materials up from heaven. He said, tell my people to bring it in. So whenever God wants done something on the earth, he tells his people, says, tell my people, let them give. 
How sad it will be when God wants something done on the earth. And God's people say, sorry God, we don't have it. We can't give anything. How sad. Amen. But we as God's people must say, God, pour it into my hands. God, prosper me so that I will be able to give generously, liberally for the work of your kingdom. Amen. There's nothing wrong if you, instead of putting 10,000 rupees offering, if you put in one lakh. Nothing wrong with it. Amen. That you feel so blessed by God. You know, God's blessed me, so I just give it. It doesn't matter anything. It doesn't matter to me. So, but church doesn't need that much money. We need a whole lot more. I mean, just, just, real, you know, just look at this. You know, we, there's a great piece of property right in the heart of our city. Two, or two weekends ago, we went and saw it. Wonderful. I mean, we can really do it. But they need one and a half crores up front. Wouldn't it be so great if I just came back to church and said, Hey, church, there's a great piece of property. We need it. It's great. Let's just take an offering. I'm sure we'll have two crows. It's finished. It'd be so simple. Amen? But why can't we believe God for that? Say, Pastor, you're not supposed to talk about money. The Bible is full of it. Amen? And when God wants something built on the earth, he tells his people to give for it. Amen. So why must I be motivated for success? So that you can be a channel through which God directs the money for the work of his kingdom. Number three, what should motivate us for God-empowered success? So that we may be able to give to others, to those in need. No, we see need all around us. Maybe somebody came to you and said, you know, I, I, I need to go to the hospital. I'm sick. I, I need to get medical treatment, but it's going to cost me, cost so much money. Now, what do we, very spiritual people, do? We say, we'll pray for you. I mean, that's good pray. But wouldn't it be wonderful? You said, you know, I pray for you. I believe God heals. But I also want to pay for your treatment. Go get yourself checked. Wouldn't that be great? We'll send to the pastor. Let's see if they can take up an offering in church. You know? Or you meet this poor family. Uh, the family uh, has a son. And the son is all ready to study. But they can't afford to pay for the education. Wouldn't it be great if you went into that situation and said, You know, God, my God's blessed me so much. I'll pay for his schooling. And if he does well, I'll also pay for his college. Send him. I'll pay for it. Wouldn't it be great if you and I could do some things like that? But our mind is so small. We only pray for our own daily bread. Why can't you ask for a few slices extra? God will not get upset with that. Just say, God, I need a few more extra slices so that I can help the poor boy next to my home, that I can help that person who needs some medical help, that I can go out and encourage some people. Give me a few slices extra. Amen. That should motivate us to want to succeed and prosper on the earth. And number four, that we may be able to transform societies.
God wants us to be salt and light in our city. Salt permeates, light penetrates. It means we have impact and influence in the society in which we live, in the world in which we live. But the reality is, if you want to have impact and influence, you need a platform and you do need money. Amen? You need it. I mean, let's say if you want to help all the street kids in Bangalore. I mean, that's wonderful. It's a very noble desire. But to do that, you need money. You've got to house these children somewhere. You've got to give them food. You've got to give them clothing. You've got to take care of them. You need people who can work with them. You need to pay their salaries. You need a place for them. You need to give them an education. It costs money. Or whatever of that nature that you want to do. If you want to transform society, one, I'm not saying the only thing, one of the things that we do need is money. Amen. And it's a good motivation to have, saying, God, you prosper me, you prosper us as a church, so that we can impact and transform our society. Now, many of us would say, you know, that's the government's responsibility. Sure, I know government's supposed to do thing, uh, take care of those things, but God also puts that responsibility on us to be salt and light. Do something in your world. Impact and influence your society. It's going to cost money. Amen? So these are good motivations to have to believe God to prosper us here on earth. Now here are the wrong things that you and I must avoid. That we must guard our heart against. And I'll quickly go over them. We must guard our heart against covetousness or greediness. That's the wrong motivation to have. And we must guard our heart against it. Because while we are moving into this dimension of being oriented towards success, God-empowered success, we must guard our heart against this. Because it's an easy ditch to fall into. It's an easy trap to fall into. Covetousness or greediness, meaning I want it for myself. And Jesus warned us. Luke 12, 15, for example, Jesus said, Beware of covetousness. Because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. So be careful of wanting more and more and more and more for your own self. So we've got to guard our heart against it. You know, I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 30 and verse 6. He said, in my prosperity I said, I will not be moved. Or in Psalm 62 verse 10, he said, when riches increase, do not set your heart on them. He was guarding himself. Amen? So we had to guard ourselves as we orient our minds towards God-empowered success. Number two that we need to guard hard against is competition. Never use your wealth to compete with somebody else. Because you're always, you're always likely to find somebody who has a bigger car, a bigger house, a better watch, better clothes. Now you, you bought the iPod Nano and then before you realized it, somebody else bought you know, the most latest version of the iPod and before you realized it, somebody else bought the other one, you know. And there's always this competition, it's always getting better. So you never use your wealth to compete. You know, I tell myself, I'm in competition with only one person and that's myself. I'm not competing with anybody else, but I'm competing with me. I want to be a better me. So if you're going to compete with anybody, compete with yourself. Don't compete with others. 
Don't use wealth to compete with people. James chapter 3 verse 14 and 15 says, you know, if there's jealousy and envy, it says, this wisdom does not come from God, but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. When we, when we get into jealousy and envy and try to do it with wealth, we're actually opening ourselves to every kind of evil work. So never use money to compete. Don't use wealth to compete. Be content with what you have and say, God, I'm orienting myself to success because of these right things that I want to accomplish. I want you to be glorified. I want to bless your kingdom with it. I want to bless others with it. I want to be in a position where as a community we can transform our society or our world. These are right motivations. Number three, wrong, wrong motivation to avoid is false spirituality. Sometimes those of us who are very blessed, we think that we are closer to God than the others. Or it could even work the other way. Some, some of us who don't have anything, we think we are very close to God. Both is wrong. God loves all his children equally. Not measured by how much wealth they have or they don't have. Amen. So this is false spirituality that we must avoid. Guard yourself against it. You, God loves you because he just loves you. You are his child. Number four, that we must guard ourselves against is false security. First Timothy 6.17, Paul says, you know, let those who are rich in this world, tell them not to trust in uncertain riches. So our trust, our security is not in our money. It's great if you have a lot of wealth, but your security is not in it. Your security is in God and in His Word at all times. Whether you're, you have abundance of wealth or no wealth, doesn't matter. You're secure in God. Amen. So avoid the false security of putting your trust and your security in wealth, in what you do have. That's what we must guard ourselves against. I want to close this morning as we encourage us to orient our mind to God-empowered success. I want to close with this. That you and I need to have faith in God for God-empowered success. Because whatever we're going to receive from God, we're going to receive by faith. Amen? It's important you receive by faith. Anything. James says, you know, whatever you want to ask God, but let ask in faith, nothing wavering. But let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. So as you orient your mind to becoming a God-empowered, successful person on the earth, you will face challenges. There'll be some setbacks. There'll be some delays. There will be some giants you need to fight. There'll be some mountains you need to conquer. There might be some mistakes you make. There will be some failures that you go through. But you need to stand strong and have faith in God that you will be a success. Amen. You need to have faith in God to be a success. Just like you have faith in God for your healing. Just like you have faith in God to heal another person or uh, turn a situation on. Whatever. You need to have faith in God to be a success on earth. That yes, every promise that God said in his word will be fulfilled. Because he does not intend for his word to go back to him empty. He wants his word to become flesh in you. Amen. He didn't give you all these promises just to tease you. He gave you these promises so that his word can be fulfilled in your life. But you need to have faith. God, I will have faith. That I'll be a God-empowered success in my life. 
some, some of you might say, you know, but you don't understand my story. I've been a failure for 20 years. Well, why don't you just apply what you're hearing this morning? Begin to orient your mind to being a God-empowered success. Say, in this from now on, the God of heaven will prosper me. Therefore, I will be a success in my assignment. Begin with that. And then have faith in God. Apply the principles of faith that we've been teaching you over and over again. Begin to speak to your mountain. Begin to speak into your future. Begin to speak into your presence. Speak words of faith. Instead of saying, you know, I think I'm going to fail. How about saying, God's word says, whatever I put my hands to will prosper. Instead of saying, you know, I don't think I can pay the bills at the end of the month. How about saying, the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. How about saying, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Not poverty and misery. Goodness and mercy. How about speaking faith instead of speaking your doubt and unbelief? Faith must be spoken. Faith must be acted out. So the next time the offering basket goes, you know, instead of giving your 10 rupees, how about putting 100? You say, but I need that 100. Well, faith does something more than the normal. It's not because the church needs the hundred. It's because you need to demonstrate your faith. Amen. How about doing something beyond what you, what's easy, what's comfortable? Acting out your faith. Maybe you see somebody in need. You yourself are in need. But you say, God, I believe that one day you'll bring me to a place where I will have tens of thousands to give away. Today I have ten rupees. I need the ten rupees, but I will give the ten rupees to that person. What are you doing? You're acting your faith and saying, God, one day, instead of giving 10 rupees, I want to give away 10,000 to somebody just to bless them. How about creating a fresh image in your mind? Of creating pictures in your mind, of seeing yourself blessing others with. Imagine in your mind, it costs you nothing, just a willingness to change your way of thinking. Imagine in your mind, yourself, Opening up your wallet and giving 10,000 rupees to a person and say, you know, who, who needs medical treatment. You say, you know, take this money, just go. God has blessed me, I'm just giving it to you as a gift. Go get your medical treatment. Or imagine in your mind, you meeting a poor young boy and saying, you know, I will take care of your education. God has blessed me so much, I will pay for your schooling. Go study. Imagine yourself doing those kinds of things. You say, but pastor, I never thought of those things. No wonder you're not doing it. But begin to think like that. Orient your mind towards being a God-empowered success. Begin to speak that into your life, saying, God is going to prosper me and bring me to a place one day in life where I will be able to, you know, just give lakhs as an offering to the church. Where I will be able to send many people through school and education. Where I will be able to meet the needs of people around me because God has blessed me so much. Begin to speak like that. Use your faith. And do you know that no man and no devil can stop your faith? Because Jesus said in Matthew 9, 29, According to your faith, it will be done for you. According to your faith, it will be done for you. So no man, no devil can stop it. 
If you're willing to have faith for that kind of thing. Amen. I'm not saying that you just believe God for bigger homes because you'll get lost in your home one day. Say, you know, can you tell me which room am I in? (laughs) Forget it. Be happy with the home you have. I mean, you have two bedrooms, three bedrooms. Be happy. That's fine. You don't need ten rooms. What are you going to do with it anyway? Unless you want to bring the poor in and take care of them. That's good. But, you know, it's not like about having bigger homes or bigger cars. I mean, how many wheels can you ride on? Four is normal. Two is fine. So it's not about bigger homes or bigger cars, but it's about impacting the world. It's about you being bold enough to say, God, I'm willing to handle wealth, success, and prosperity, guarding my heart through this whole process so that I can have impact and influence on this world for your kingdom. Amen. But it's going to begin as you orient your mind towards being a God of power and success. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.